0: Thank you for tuning in to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. We're a church in Lakewood, Washington, and whether you're listening from around the corner or from around the world, we're glad that you're here. We hope this sermon equips you to be the Christian the world needs today. If you'd like to learn more about us, head on over to lakewoodgrace.com. And now, for this week's sermon. All right, the text for you and me this morning comes from First John chapter two verses twenty-eight through chapter three verse three. Listen now to God's word to you and to me. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, he may be we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, this morning in our text, as we're going through John's uh, letter to this church, is that John takes a pause from addressing the particular issues that John wrote the letter for. And remember, John writes this letter to a church that is just brand new, a couple decades old. And this church is struggling because some of their most important members, important members, some of their most influential members, these were people who were typically, they were the ones that were uh they had more means, money-wise, and power-wise, status-wise. They had more education. And these guys who, who were the, uh, the white-collars of this society, and most of the New Testament church was made up of blue-collar folk, folk who were, uh, yeah, blue-collar workers, farmers and uh, folks who were uh, workers. And so imagine a church where the... The elite, supposedly the powerful, the intelligent, end up leaving and not not only are they leaving but they say, we have discovered a better way of following Christ. in fact, God has given us a greater revelation than all of you, and so they left, and so uh, instead of, and so this whole letter John's been focusing on the problem with the people who left and trying to give this early church the assurance, the certainty in such uncertain times. And so what John does in our passage, and this is about the middle of this letter to uh, this church, is he takes a step back from the particulars and he says, hey gang, I want you to step back and look at the big picture. I want you to see and I want you to remember who we are because of all who God is. And so the big picture. And the big picture is this. And now, dear children, continue in Him so that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. And this is talking about the second coming. And the reason why He goes there and the big picture is He's saying, look, our entire story with God begins in Genesis. It begins with God created the world, and and when God created the world, everything was great. Everything is good. God declares it good. But sin enters and mars everything that God has created. And sin enters and wrecks everything that God has done. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, remember, just a couple decades ago to die on the cross for us. And because of his resurrection, everything has changed. And as he ascended into heaven, he promised that he would come back again. And as he tells the church about this grand, epic, incredible love story of how God could not imagine an eternity without you in it. So God sends his son to die on sinner's behalf that we might have life in him. He tells this grand, epic story of God's love for us. And he reminds the church, hey, I know we're going through some stuff right now. I know the year of the pandemic This has been difficult. I know things aren't great right now, but I want you to remember, because he's coming back, And because we're in this story of God's love for us, I want you to remember something. This is not your home. Your mere 70, 80, 90 years of existence here on earth, this is not your home. Your story doesn't end here. In fact, you were created, and you were created for a different world. We are merely passing through here. This is not permanent. Whatever you're experiencing, this is not everything. We're merely passing through. We were created for eternity, and in fact, when John talks about this later in his gospel, and and First John was written before the gospel. The Gospel of John, according to John, would be written about three, four decades after this letter to First John the church, and and in that book, in that gospel, John reminds the church when Jesus, right before Jesus ascended ascends into heaven, he reminds the church, hey, I am going to prepare a place for you. That's your eternal home. We're merely passing through. So don't hold so tightly to here and what's here on earth that you end up missing heaven. This is not your home. You're merely journeying through here. So get yourself ready for eternity. And that perspective, that Christ is coming back, that we're in this story, grand epic of God's love for us, changes and impacts how we live today. We use what we have today for eternity. It impacts what we do today. And there's two concepts, two realities of the second coming of Jesus that absolutely impacts how we live today one has to do with being children the second has to do with abiding being children and when john's talking about this in the greek uh it just jumps out it just john is so excited and if you can put up caleb if you can yeah is he sleeping again Put up for chapter 3, verse 1, if you can. Okay. Chapter 3, verse 1. Next one. Next one. Next one. Oh, okay. That's it. Yeah, go back. So uh, in the Greek, when when John's writing this letter, he is so excited. Uh, he says... See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And then the NIV puts an exclamation point there, right? And, and then the next phrase, go to the next slide. And that is what we are, exclamation point. Now, the King James Version probably got this better and more right. Uh, It starts within the King James. Behold. And that's the same word that the angels declare uh, in the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ. Behold, the Greek says. Behold what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And here's, here's what John's getting at. This whole concept of being God's child is not in theory, but in fact, you are God's children. God gives us this privileged designation because that is what we are by God's grace. God has changed sinners into sons and daughters. Okay, so let's talk about, think about this. Emma Jill. man, that, that little girl. How much do you think Katie and Steve love Emma Jill? And think about your children. How much do you love your children? You know, what wouldn't you do for your child? And then think about God's love for you Multiply that by infinity. How much you love your child, and when God looks at you, God says, that's mine. This is my child. It's not just in theory, but in fact, God has so changed us at the soul level that you are not just children of God out there. You're my child. You're my son. This is my boy. This is my daughter. What wouldn't I do for my child? And that's why God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. Because he could not imagine an eternity without you in it. He couldn't imagine a moment without you in it. And so God, what would he not do? What can separate us from the love of God? The Apostle Paul writes. Salvation, you see, is more than rescue. It is a total renovation. It is transformation. The image of God marred by the fall has been stamped upon us once again and God has said, this is my child, this is my baby, this is my kid. Now, you know, this language, uh, the child of God or children of God, we use that in a couple of ways but John is very specific in the way he uses this. Children of God doesn't refer to the whole world, all God's Creation. The way John's using it is the only way that you can be a child of God is if you've been saved by the love of Jesus Christ. The only children of God that John's talking about are those who are Christians, our brothers and sisters isn't the whole world. In fact, the whole world doesn't get God's inheritance. They don't receive God's protection and God's provisions. They don't receive heaven. Only those who have been saved by the love of God are children of God. If, if the whole world gets God's inheritance in the kingdom of God, then what's the point of the cross? Why would Jesus die and descend into hell? Only those who have been saved are God's children. And here, when he's talking about children of God... He is specifically referring to Christians. We have responsibility to all people, but only Christians are brothers and sisters. The fatherhood of God only applies to Christians. And so if you've been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's saying, this one's mine. Children of God, not in theory, but in fact. And because you're his child, he says, now, my dear children, continue in him. And NIV, I think, misses it here. Uh, because the word for continue, if you go back to Caleb's sleeping again. Caleb, <laughs> go back to verse 28, the very beginning. Go to the very beginning. Thank you. This word continue Uh, In the Greek is abide. It's the same word meno, remain in me. And and the reason why they go with continue, I'll explain in a little bit. But the word abide uh, there in the Greek is written in the present tense, imperative active voice. And every one of these tells us something. Present tense, imperative, active voice. Abide. And present tense means it's continual action. It is forever in the present tense. You are forever abiding in Him. It is a command. Isn't that interesting? Why would it be a command? It's an imperative. And it is in the active voice, meaning you're the one who's going to have to abide. So you abide. I'm not suggesting this to you. I'm not asking you. I am commanding you. And you don't just abide in me for a moment. You stay with me. And so imagine, uh, the picture is kind of like, have you taken your little ones to Disneyland yet? Have you all done that before? And you know how crazy disneyland is right how amazingly crazy and busy and crowded it is right and so when you're there you tell your kids hey kids abide in me get close to me hold on to my hand don't get lost We don't want to lose you. And in fact, the way we would do it is every time we would enter a new place, I would pick the tallest thing in the whole in that area and say, if you get lost, we're meeting right underneath this big Cinderella or whatever it is in front of the castle uh, uh, because kids get lost. And that's a scary thing, right? And so what God is saying is, hey, abide, get close, stay with me. Now, why would he do that? Why would he make that a command? You know, every, uh, when the weather's nicer, uh, I like playing golf. I, and so Pastor Walt from First Baptist, and I typically go play golf on Mondays uh, once a week. And it's funny. Pastor Walt is the uh, pastor at First Baptist. And usually, right around about the third or fourth hole, Uh, the conversation, uh, and sometimes, most of the time, when it's just the two of us going out there, they typically put us up with another single or another person to make a foursome. And so usually by about the third or fourth hole, the conversation gets to, so what do you guys do? Right? Right? And then when, when whoever we're golfing with finds out that he's the Walt's the preacher from First Baptist and I'm the preacher from the little church in Lake of Grace, it's astonishing how much his language changes. <laughs> and it is astonishing how much the content of what he talks about changes. Now uh, here's the remarkable thing. Here's Walt and James, repeat sinners. We haven't done anything to these people, right? All they know is that we're the preachers who struggle with sin just like them. And our mere presence, the mere fact that we're preachers changes this person's behavior and language. Now, church, how much more When you get around Jesus. How much more. When you're abiding. When you're in Jesus presence. Would that impact your conversation. Your speech. Your behavior. Abide. Continue. Get near me. And you see this whole living with Jesus thing, living as a Christian thing, it's not about trying harder. We've tried that before, haven't we? With temptation and sin, I just got to try harder. And the more we try, the more we fail. It has nothing to do with how much you try. There is nothing in you to help you overcome temptation. There is nothing in you that will help you overcome sin. You know what the key is? Jesus says, "Get close, son. Draw near, my child. Get near me. Hold my hand. His presence changes everything." Hey, you know, um, and the reason why in such uncertain times, when things are dark, when things are hard. His presence is so important. Is He says, you know, children, and go back to Emma Joe again, and when kids are that age, they're afraid of the dark, yeah? And so I know out of the four kids, we have one uh, who particularly didn't like the dark when they were little. And they would go around the house turning on every single light. And I would just follow along turning off the lights because I pay for the lights, right? (laughs) And the whole house would be lit up. They hated the dark. But it's astonishing how everything changes if mama's in the room or if I'm in the room. And I want you to notice something. When a child is in the dark and is scared to death. The mere presence of mom or dad and holding their hand, the darkness hasn't changed. Circumstances haven't changed. Just doing this, having daddy near, changes everything. And here's where this comes into play. You heard today that Dave Sparling is with Jesus. Barb's been taking care of Dave at home for about the last six months or so, watching her husband get eaten alive by cancer. And when someone is dying of cancer like that, their body literally changes to the point where sometimes it's hardly recognizable. And what's astonishing is even in a situation like that, my child, hold my hand. And when you get near Daddy, it's not that death has changed. It's not that dying doesn't happen anymore. It's that Jesus changes me. Death no longer fears me, scares me. Death is no longer the end. It's not that death has stopped. It's that death has lost. You don't win anymore. Cancer, you don't win anymore. This isn't the end of our story. Our story continues. In fact, my husband Dave is more alive today than I've ever been. And I'm going to join him one day. Because daddy's changed everything. Living right with God is not about trying harder. It's about getting closer. So get close. Hold my hand. You're not in this alone. Dear children, not just in theory, but in fact, abide. Get close. Stay near. And everything has changed. Let us pray. Hey, God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the ways that you're at work. Thank you, God, for the promise of the resurrection. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that right now, even though Barbara and the family miss Dave's presence, we know that death does not get the end, does not win. And in fact, right now, Dave is more alive today than we have ever imagined or we have ever experienced. Lord, while we see you dimly, Dave sees you clearly. And God, we long for that day. So thank you, Father. God, there are many today who are going through a difficult season. This year of pandemic, global pandemic, has been difficult. So God, strengthen us once again. Reassure us. Lord, you are a good and awesome God. Hey, friends, listen. If you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior and you're watching right now, God's talking to you. God loves you. God loves you so much that he could not imagine an eternity apart from you. And so God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. And to start this journey with Jesus, the way you do that is to say something like this in your own words. You say, Jesus, forgive my sins. I receive you as Lord and Savior. I choose to follow you now. And if you've said that prayer, friends, you need a local church to be a part of. And we'd love to be that local church with you. Now, for the rest of us, guys, we do not live alone. Jesus is saying, get close. Get close, son. Get close, my child, my daughter. Hold on to my hand. We go through this together. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and then head on over to lakewoodgrace.com slash connect where you'll find a link to contact us or you can fill out a communication card. Have a wonderful week. God bless.